Hi, and welcome to today's meeting of Book Hoarders Anonymous. Let's all begin by introducing ourselves. Hi, I'm Shannon, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi Shannon. Hi, I'm Aaron, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi Aaron. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Book Hoarders. This is Aaron. And this is Shannon. Woohoo! And we are here with episode, I don't even remember. Is it 13? 12? Or, or are we at 12 or 13? I don't know either. Hmm. I just had looking at it, too, on my downcast because I was going through and deleting episodes I didn't of things I didn't need anymore, and now I can't remember either. Yeah. Whatever episode Well, whatever is. episode this is, uh, happy reading, everyone, and uh, we're here to discuss, you know, what we've read and what we're going to read and how all of our interesting technology ventures this past month have influenced what we've been reading. Exactly. So, um... um well... Well, <laughs> should I start? Yeah, go ahead and start. Okay. Um, I've actually been reading quite a bit in the past three weeks because I finally kind of got into a, like a bit of a routine with my commute um, where, where I figured out exactly when I have time to read and when I don't. Mm -hmm. And I've read a few really cool things. Um, a lot of it, like some of it has been homework reading, or at least I call it that, because um, I like my favorite books this month have been um, North River by Pete Hamill, which I read for a book club down here. And then I also read Still Life by Louise Penny, which is which I'm reading for the, a book club that they have at the Seattle Public Library, which I'm going to as part of my job on Tuesday. Um, and and um, North River is basically, a his, it's a historical novel set in New York City, depression and it's um it's it's a love story but it's not really a love story in the sense of like you know romancy kind of thing mm -hmm. um this the the main character is a doctor who um has basically kind of had a lot of unfortunate things happen to him and one day his daughter um basically leaves his his three-year-old grandson um on <laughs> on <laughs> on his porch step with a note saying, you know, I'm going to go find myself, take care of my kid. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, and so, um, he hires this, this, uh, Sicilian woman as, as a housekeeper. And, um, they, they basically kind of become a family, you know, he's determined to do, to be a better parent for, for, you know, his grandson than he was for his daughter. And, and it's, it's very much like um, if you've ever read A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, um, which is one of my favorite books. It's like very like it's like New York City. It's its own character in the story. And, you know, he goes lots of places around New York City and, and they're like everybody is. It's all about the different kind of melting pot of people that, that ended up in, in New York City, all the different immigrant communities and there there are gangsters and um it's it's very like evocative of of like the time period and you know how terrible things were in the depression yeah like he's a doctor but and and he he wants to do right by his patients but he knows that most of them are poor so most of them don't pay him <laughs> and so there's like you know like 
it, considering he's a doctor and he's still fairly fairly well off by you know the the standards of his neighborhood, but it's still you know barely scraping by and yeah, it's just very it was very interesting. Um, and then Still Life was the first in the Inspector Armand Gamache mystery series, and um, I'm, I sort of have this this thing about mysteries where um, like I. I had a conversation with somebody at work about that, and and his theory was that that the the most um, the most cunning serial killer in the world is Jessica Fletcher from the Murder She Wrote TV series and books because um, it seemed like every like every, like there were more crimes committed per capita in in the little town where she lived than anything else, and that she her basic thing is that she's really killing all these people, but framing other people to do it. <laughs> And I, I haven't read any of those books, and I and I least a few episodes of the TV show. But I feel like he's got a point because, like, the thing that always sort of gets me is like, how many murders can there be, where where like you know one murder of somebody trauma like that that's very close to to somebody like it's traumatic enough, right? But you know, like if if there get to be seventeen of them, <laughs> like how does that not leave you a a like a wreck on the floor? And so what I really liked about this um, Louise Penny book is that, that even though there are, there are several books in the series and they're all set in, they're all set in the same village and it's um, like this very picturesque area in Canada, but like she goes into how the investigations and the murders, like how they, they affect these people's lives. And, and she goes like the characters are very well drawn and it's not just like, Oh look, this is the stock character. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And, and so it's the kind of mystery that I've wanted to find for a while. And I, I'd had the, this, this book on my radar because somebody that I follow on Twitter had said that, that inspector Gamache was her book boyfriend. (laughs) And she's not the kind of person that usually says things like that. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I have to know about this guy. And and he was a great character. And they were all super awesome characters. Oh, that's good. And then um, the last thing I read that I'll talk about, <laughs> not because it was super awesome, but apparently I have this thing where I read like really awesome books. And then I, I have to, I decide that since obviously they were very good books, I should to punish myself with something terrible. <laughs> so I read this trilogy by Elizabeth Chandler and their young adult romances, which was my first mistake right there. Oh boy. And the series the series is called Kissed by an Angel, which just really sounds so cheesy. And the whole thing, it's like what would happen if VC Andrews and Stephanie Meyer had a slightly retarded love child. Oh God. I shouldn't say retarded. That's not a, that's not a very good word. But uh, I understand what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> it was such. There, it was the kind of books where there, there was so much melodrama and angst, and I and I knew that they were terrible even as I was reading them. But I just couldn't stop because uh-huh. I had no like, and, and like the the I got I read them on Bookshare, and so they were like a three. It was like a three books in one kind of deal. Yeah. And the first two books ended on, like the if I were reading them, if I were reading these books and waiting for the next one in the trilogy trilogy to come out, I would be so pissed because they end on this sort of cliffhanger where it's like, oh no, she's about to be hit by a train. Ah! The end. <laughs> <laughs> 
and then you have to go to the next book where it's like the next day Ivy was at school. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking back about how she was she was almost hit by a train, <laughs> and so they were, they were absolutely terrible books, and I just I don't know why <laughs> I'm sometimes compelled to read terrible terrible books, but I did. That that happens. And, and so I had to like read something something else, and so now I'm reading. Um, now I'm, I'm reading um, a, a book in a romance series that I enjoy. That um, may not be the world's best literature, but at least I know that the author is capable of writing a story that I enjoy reading. And which series is that? <laughs> um, it is the the series is called The Rough Riders, and the author is Lorelai James, and mm-hmm. they're ebooks. Um, <clears throat> So I I read them on like the Nook, um, and they're very they're contemporary Western romances. They're all about this family of cowboy rancher types in in Wyoming, and and um, they're a very very fertile family. So there are lots of <laughs> brothers and cousins, and you know to 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 provide books for for years to come. And and the author like it, it could be a very cheesy premise, but it works for me. And 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 um, I think it's because the author really like they're very they're definitely um, more erotica than than any like they're they're very sexy. There's mm-hmm. lots of sex going on, and and um, it could be the sort of thing that like she could go into a lot like it, but it's but it's all like very. Um, there's lots of emotion involved, and and it, she does a very good job of incorporating the sex into the story so that it means something. Well, that's good. And um, this particular book is about the one McKay boy who is not a cowboy. He went to Iraq. Well, and came back with with war injuries. <laughs> so, and and it's it's very interesting because it, he lost the leg in Iraq, and so um, he has to deal with like trying to be a sexual person. Um, without like, you know, finding like, you know, he, he's so, he's very turned off by the fact, by like the idea that the heroine might be like into him because she's got an amputee fetish and she has to assure him that she doesn't, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and it's all, you know, it's like, she's got issues of her own and, and they, it's, it's all about them like learning to, to kind of come together and trust each other and, and. I, I love the series. That's really good. I like that. Um, that kind of fits very beautifully into talking about what I've been reading this month. Um, a right. book with a guy with a disability in it. Because my first book, actually, I'm not done with it. This month has been kind of like I've started things, but I haven't finished them. Um, so I'm currently reading um, one of the books in the Matthew Sharblake mystery series by C.J. Sansom. I think I mentioned one of them before um, a couple months ago, Revelation. It was about a, a guy who had been um, uh, put into bedlam for obsessive praying. And I thought that sounded so interesting that I downloaded the book from Bard and read it <laughs> when it came out. Um, not knowing that it was part of an entire series of books about this uh, lawyer in Tudor, England, who is a hunchback. I mean, that's the term that is used oh. in the book. Uh, and so Matthew Sharblake has, you know, a crooked back, I guess, and he has to deal with the repercussions of that because back then hunchbacks were seen not only as potentially deformed, but also as bad luck. You know, and there are lots mm-hmm. of superstitions about that. So it's how he comes to terms with that and deals with 
his disability in his, you know, in the in the books. And this one in particular that I've been reading this month, it's in there a lot. Um, this one that I've been reading is called Sovereign. And since they're, you know, about Tudor England, you know, they all have something to do with Henry VIII. And I've been reading the series out of order. So I started with book five, and I think this is now like book three. But you don't necessarily have to read them in order unless you want the historical you know, events in order. Um, mm-hmm. But but I like this book. Not only are the characters really well drawn, but, I mean, the author goes into a lot of detail about the events of the time, you know, the history. Um, uh-huh. And it, it's very interesting to, you know, think about the fact that I, I like these medieval mysteries. Um, I've been sort of on a kick with them the past year or so because – it's sort of cool that the people that, you know, have all these problems, they have the same kinds of problems that we have. You know, people getting killed, uh, people getting robbed, family secrets, you know, all kinds of strange things. And we still have the same problems today that they had hundreds of years ago. And it's kind of sad, uh, you know, it's kind of sad on some points, but it's also kind of comforting in a sense, you know, like, are we really any worse than the people back then were? They had the same problems that we do. We deal with our problems in fundamentally, you know, the same kinds of ways. So it's like we really haven't improved, but we haven't gotten any worse either. <laughs> I guess that's the way I look yeah. at it. Um, and so it's it's a really good book. I haven't um, I haven't finished it yet. I'm almost done with it. Uh, but but apparently he's he's going. Um, he went up to Yorkshire to. Uh, meet in with the king who's on progress across England and progress meant that basically he took his whole royal court and went on a big huge camping trip and uh, you know went through parts of the country that are in rebellion or you know that that he needs to be seen in for whatever reason and uh, so they're having to accompany him on his progress Um, and consequently this Matthew Sharblake guy is um, you know someone's trying to kill him by doing really horrible things to him, I might add, like uh, throwing a spit of meat down onto him or where he was, oh my God. like a huge spit, like with pigs on it. Um, I mean, you know, a big, big, big spit. Uh, loosing a bear into his path, a, like a, a, you know, a, a caged bear, open the cage and let the bear out. Uh, and, and so the whole thing is, why is this, you know, who, who's got it in for this guy? Um so that's that's a lot of what's going on with that book. And also, let's see, what is another book I read? Um, I've been reading uh, a series by Marie Brennan about, um, also about, well, Tudor England, but a little bit earlier, about Queen Elizabeth, well, a little bit later in history, I guess, uh, Queen Elizabeth's time. And this is, you know, with fairies and all kinds of fantastical creatures. Um and this book is called In Ashes Lie, and it's the second book in a series. And um, it's it's basically, you know, how it, this is this book is about the Great Fire of London that happened in 1666 or whatever it was. And I mean, it, it was a real event, but the author kind of like it's kind of like her analysis of what it would be like if a dragon had actually started the fire. Oh, like that's a cool. big ass dragon and how the fairies were had to combat this big dragon. And, you know, how, of course, the common people didn't help matters either by doing their thing to make the fire get bigger and bigger. But it was really the fault of this big dragon that got loosed on the city. Um, 
And it's a really it's a really good book. I actually have read the other two books in the series, and somehow this one got left out of my reading of it. And so, um, but it's very good, and it's read by one of my favorite narrators, Kate Kiley, who actually does a pretty decent British accent. Um, a lot of Mar- American narrators, eh, their British accents are, you know, not very good. Hers is pretty decent, yeah. as well as is Gary Tells, the guy who narrates the um, C.J. Sansom books. His accent's pretty decent, too. Why they didn't get British people to narrate these books series, I don't know. But, you know, at least they got people who did a decent job. Um, and the third book that I'll mention is simply, I'll mention it because I was in Transports of Joy the past three weeks because two more... Uh, St. Germain Chronicles got put up on Bard in the past two weeks. Uh, And the one that I'll I'll mention is called Mansions of Darkness. Um, And I've read every one that Bard has, because I just love these, and actually a couple that Bard doesn't have. Um, Mansions of Darkness, these are by Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough. And uh, she has, um, it's like all of my favorite types of books rolled into one. Uh, All these books have like, some element of mysticism and magic in them. They have vampires in them. They have historical stuff in them. And they have romances in them. So it's like all of my favorite brain candy rolled up into one big thing. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, they're great. I love them. And some of them are better than others. But, you know, um, this one I mention in particular because a lot of her, a lot of these books take place in European settings because a lot of people, you know, here in Western world are very familiar with with like the Middle Ages and Charlemagne and, um, you know, the French Revolution and Rome and all this. But there are some that do not. And this one actually doesn't. It takes place in South America. Um, in the Incan Empire, after the Spanish have come in and pretty much decimated it. But it's told from the point of view of, of course, the main vampire, St. Germain character, and his relationship with one of the few remaining native royal noble women, um, who, also happens to bre- oh. who also happens to be a priestess. And so it was kind of interesting because it was like talking about... Uh, you know, the native beliefs a little bit and how everything had been changed by, you know, the Spanish involvement in the, you know, in the country, you know, in Peru, because this is the 1500s after they've been there for a while and how they've impacted the, you know, everything. Um, And so, you know, it was pretty good. And she always has, she always has like historical notes in the front or the back, usually the front of the book, I think, that kind of explain you know, what was going on in history at the time that this book was written to kind of give you a little bit of reference, you know, as to what was, what was going on, a frame of reference. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've, I've always liked them. It was, it was a series that I stumbled on completely by accident because someone gave me one of the books in hard copy format as a collection of crap that he didn't want anymore. And uh, <laughs> I just, oh, what's this? And then just read it and it was completely just enthralled by it. Um, so... Anyway, those are the three that I wanted to mention. And I, and I have, I, I also wanted to just mention that one of my very favorite Stephen King short story collections of all time was put up on Bard, Skeleton Crew. And I have downloaded it and uh, have it on my Victor Stream so that when I want to pull out a good, comfort, scary read, I can do that. Because I love the stories in that book. I think they're great. And I've gone to them when I want myself a good scare, but I don't want a really new good scare. I just want a 
curl up with an old cozy good scare. Um, a couple of those yeah. stories in there are pretty, uh, ooh, <laughs> pretty scary. So um, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm glad that they've that they've put that up there. And speaking of the Victor Reader stream, you just got yes. yourself a new um, one. I I did. Um, we don't have any book news this month, so we're going to talk about technology because we actually do have some of that. Um, I um, ended up spending my spending money on the new Victor Reader stream because, you know, my job, the second paycheck, I figured I'd, I deserved something, something yeah, fun. Totally. So, um, I got it and I just actually got it last week. Um, it came in last Wednesday and, um, I've, I've been playing Woo-hoo. around with it ever since to, to kind of get it to where I want it. And it's, it's a little bit smaller than the, the previous generation. Mm-hmm. And um, the buttons are a little bit more pronounced, I guess. Um, not that not that I found them particularly like unpronounced before, but but um, you know I think they wanted more like contrast, you know, so people could tell if, if they you know couldn't if they needed to see, you know. Um, and they text to speech is a lot better. They're using acapella, Heather and Ryan, and, and oh nice. Um, they're very, it's very good. Like I was very skeptical because I have the read to go app on my phone, which also uses acapella Heather and Ryan. And I find that kind of unlistenable because I tend to, to need to speed my books up quite a bit. And like when it gets to the, like, like a certain point, like it just doesn't work very well in that app. So I was thinking, Oh God, I don't know about this, but it actually has, has been really good. Um, and you can update the, the stream wirelessly. I'm not really sure what other wireless, what other things you can do with it wirelessly. Like, I think you can, like, there's got to be a way that you can listen to, um, to, to music via like an online, like playlist, like you can with the Plex Talk Pocket, but I haven't played with that very much. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's, it's very cute and it's awesome. And the battery life is, is really kind of impressive i've had it um like i think mine is like at 88 percent now which is um and i've used it like quite a bit over the past couple of days that's of course, good like, you know i have to have to also hook it up to like a usb you know to the computer and that charges it up somewhat but yeah um and then before i got like i was playing with a victor reader stream i i had downloaded an app on my phone that my roommate told me about and it's called Voice Dream, and it and Voice Dream is one of it's it's Voice Dream, like you're dreaming about voices. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I thought at first it was Voice Stream, uh-huh. and then it was like, well, no wonder I can't find this app. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, it's a it's a it's a text to speech app also, and it's the kind of thing I was saying on Twitter that it was that, that it, it was the like the perfect app that I didn't know I needed until I got it. Mm-hmm. Um. And what I had been finding as an issue with reading books on my phone had been that the, you know, like the aforementioned issues I've had with read to go or the the text to speech was not that good. So I would listen to it with like with the voiceover voices and, you know, good old Samantha doing that. You can't lock your phone and carry it around with you with you while you're reading a book. So you're kind of like stuck in one spot. <laughs> Let's right. it. Um, and and I like that. Um, 
the the with with voice dream it it like you basically can take books from like dropbox or bookshare or even like instapaper you could read your news that way and um cool you download you know the text files or or the files you want i think it'll read like it reads um epub mm-hmm. and it reads like you know daisy and and text um so and it and it tells you um like it and it just basically is a text to speech reader it has it it also has the default as as acapella heather but you can also buy premium voices um which i did i got i was listening to a few of them and they're not that ex- the voices aren't that expensive it's like they're like 2 bucks a piece mm-hmm. so um i got australian tyler who i think sounds kind of sexy i love australian <laughs> and they, voices and they just had an update that had neo speech kate which was the voice i had on the books end mm-hmm. and i kind of missed her so i got I her like kate um <laughs> And actually, the book I'm reading now, the Lorelei James book, I'm reading it on the Voice Dream app because, um, for some reason, the main character's name in that that book is Cam, mm-hmm. as in Cameron. And for some reason, Acapella Heather wants to pronounce that Came, and that just distracts <laughs> that just, me so much. That would be very distracting. It, it 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 was, and so so like, but but the nice thing about that app is that it lets you know, like, okay, you're like this book is. Um, four hours, 55 minutes. And then, you know, like as you go along and and read it, it, you know, tells you how much time you have left and which is nice in like text files, you know, it's Mm -hmm. not usually a feature that I've, I've seen. So it's a cool little app. It costs about 10 bucks for the, the, the pro version, but it, but I, I definitely feel like it's well worth the money. If you don't, if you read a lot of Tech, like things with text-to-speech and you don't mind listening to books like that and you don't necessarily want to haul right. around a Victor Reader stream, mm-hmm. although I do still want to haul mine <laughs> right. because I love it. But, Absolutely. <laughs> you know, there it's good to have options. Right. I, I, um, I got something that I want to haul around everywhere because I love it and I actually have hauled it to work although I only tried to use it one day, um, and my bag really doesn't fit it right. I need, like, a new bag. And what is this big thing that I got that doesn't fit in my bag? This would be the Braille Edge 40 from Hymns International. Yay! I finally bought the Braille display I've been telling everyone I was going to buy for almost a year. Um, And I wanted to review some. Um, it has its drawbacks. It has its pluses, but in my opinion, the pluses outweigh the drawbacks for what I wanted. Um, it has uh, there is a Tech Access Weekly episode that does a demo cast from when I reviewed the unit last year um, that I'll put in the show notes if anyone's really interested, and a, a link to that. And there's going to be a new one coming out, a new demo cast coming out in a couple months, talking about the uh, use of this thing with uh, the iPhone and since that wasn't something I could cover in the other one, because that was when the iPhone support was broken for all of the HIMS note-taker devices. Uh, but now it's it's back, because whatever Apple broke, it fixed in iOS 6. Now, when iOS 7 comes out, like we said, I don't know what's going to happen, but we'll, it'll happen <laughs> when it happens. Um, this display is 
Also, a very basic note taker. It runs Windows CE5. So, I mean, this is basic stuff, friends and neighbors. This is not anything fancy. But uh, if you put an SD card in, it will, you can only, I mean, you can read text and Braille files. Um, With the text files, they are in uncontracted Braille. Um, Pretty much all Sense products don't have one of those, like, phantom grade two translators that a lot of note takers Mm -hmm. have. And that's a real big drawback that people do complain about, I think, with a lot of justification. Um, It's kind of annoying having to take text files and put them in BRF format, which I have done because I have a translating software on my computer that does that. And it's pretty... It's just a minor inconvenience, but for people who don't have that, I can see how this can be very frustrating. Um, But anyway, uh, all that aside, you put the SD card in, it's got some files on it, you can read, you can read them. Um, It has, it's a 40 cell display and it's um, got a keyboard on it so you can type into it and it will, you can either write your own documents and save them onto an SD card in the display, in the notepad, or of course you can use it with uh, screen readers like JAWS and Window Eyes to control your computer. Um, and you can also use it to control your iPhone and type into it. And like, for instance, now we're doing the podcast. I am typing into Notepad with, into the Notepad, you know, Microsoft Notepad on the computer with the Braille Edge sitting in front of my keyboard uh, connected via USB. And of course, since it works with the iPhone, it also has Bluetooth. So you kind of play with that uh, as well. And let's see, the... The coolest thing about this, I think for me, the most fun um, is, of course, the like being able to put books from like Braille books from Bard onto an SD card and stick it in here and read them, read them in Braille. Um, I was completely I was able to completely unsubscribe from Cooking Light magazine. So I don't get the boxes of Braille magazines every month now. I can just download them from now that um, the Braille books have been integrated with Bard. I can download them when they show up. And put them on my SD card and read to my heart's content without boxes of paper all over the place, like I had before. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and you know, Rodney can testify to the amount of cooking light boxes that would get stacked up here because I would get behind in reading them, and I wouldn't read them, or I would want to like try and copy down a recipe from one of the issues, so I would keep it back. Not that I ever really make anything that I find in there, but I like to look at them. Um, So. I, I finally was able to unsubscribe from that, and that's that's really wonderful. And I've um, I've also been like reading a couple of Bard books on here uh, since I've got it, gotten it, and it's really wonderful to be able to hook it up to my computer and use a combination of speech and Braille to navigate my environment, and it's helping my um, well, just general, you know, like reading and activity um, a lot. So I'm glad that I I'm glad that I bought it. And I also um, read the book this month, this month's Book Hoarders book on this display. Um, Yay! And it was a short book. I kind of wish I hadn't started reading it with this display. I wanted to read it in Braille, though, so I'm glad I did. Uh, It was a little bit slow going, though, in Braille because it had some dialect in it. And um, I get bogged down if I read Braille and it has dialect. Um, That was one of the things that I had trouble with, with um, like books like Roots by Alex Haley, um, because uh, they're hard. I find it hard to read books in Braille with dialect in them with like all the weird like apostrophes and, and words that 
it just, I don't know, for me, it's just, it's always been a real problem. And so, you know, I find that difficult. Uh, and, and this was that way. And what is this book you may ask that we read this month? You don't remember? It was Of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck. Which I'm sure we all read in high school. I didn't. fun to, to, to revisit. Yeah, I you didn't. No. I, think um, I had to read it like twice in high school. I, I never did. <laughs> and the only time I had read it previous to this time was an abridged audio recording that my parents got me for Christmas one year when I was in high school. Um, I don't know quite why. <laughs> But they did. That's so funny that they would have a bridge of mice and men. Like, yeah. What could they possibly take out? I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. But they did take out a little bit, I think. Um, but, yeah, it was it was read by Gary Sinise. It was actually really well done. Um, but, I mean, you know, like I said, abridged. But, like you said, there there isn't a whole lot to take out. So, I don't, I don't think they took much out. Um, but we chose this book because... Disability Awareness Month was just around the corner, and one of the characters, well, of course, you know, this is John Steinbeck's day, so they're not going to say he had a disability. They're just going to say he's a little bit slow and simple, and a couple of people say he's crazy. Um, yeah. Poor Lenny. Um, and, and so, you know, his, you know, George is the other farm laborer who kind of watches out for him. Uh, and it was... It was definitely a 1930s kind of book. I mean, if you're looking for enlightened, you know, enlightened political, correct. political yeah. correctness, you're not going to find it here. Although I imagine for his day, John Steinbeck was pretty, like, I mean. Oh, yeah. Compared to what it could be. Oh, absolutely. Like had some compassion for his characters. Absolutely. Um, I, I had gotten, like, Reading this again, I read it on the voice dream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, mm-hmm. that was one of the first books I did. Um, and, and let me tell you, DTS, trying to do dialect is not fun. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> so I had to, like, I, I stopped eventually and I got the Bard version and I listened to, like, the last half hour or so mm-hmm. on, on Bard. <laughs> it's like, okay, this is much better. <laughs> um, but it was, it was, like, I had forgotten about the fact that there were, like, other characters. I remembered about George and Lenny, and I remembered about Curly's wife. Mm-hmm. But I'd forgotten about, like, old Candy and the dog. Oh, yeah, I had forgotten that, too. I mean, it was in the abridged version, because I remember, you know, when you read it, you remember. But yeah, I had I had forgotten that, too. And and Crooks, the the stable the, hand or Crooks, whatever. Yeah, it's the other one that I I thought like it was really interesting how how Steinbeck kind of like it seemed to be making a pretty clear statement against racism at that time. Mm-hmm. Like it was not to be the, the the most like politically correct way of doing it, but I thought he had a lot of compassion for that character. Right, I think he did too. And um, I just I I think my favorite character was probably Slim. I just think he's so compassionate. Yeah, for lack yeah. of a better word, and and has so much wisdom for a, you know, for a farm laborer. I almost wanted to have like to know his story because he seemed like such a complex character mm-hmm. for such a, well, you know, a menial profession for for you know at the risk of sounding really snobbish. But, I mean, I don't mean it to sound that way, but it's kind of coming out that way. It's not what I mean, but you wouldn't have thought that like somebody that in in a position would have necessarily 
had much time or inclination for like complex deep thought like, serious with them yeah yeah and and so you know it, it I just really loved his character and that was something that did not come out in the abridged recording that I had I, I didn't remember taking that away from it um although I do remember you know the end of the book and the way that he helped George handle the situation um that transpired and as as I remember well we think about you know what we thought of the different characters I I agree with you as you stated on um on I think when you reviewed it for DB review you said that Curly's wife was definitely a piece of work and that's definitely true and they didn't he didn't give her a name I thought that was very interesting And and she didn't I like that was the only part that really kind of like I, I kind I could deal I could tell that he was really trying to be fairly enlightened about about like most other things. Like his treatment of Lenny was much more compassionate than, than it probably like could have been and his right. treatment of Crooks, but his treatment of Curly's wife was just like I I did. I wanted to know her story too. I wanted to know why she was such like, a tramp. Really, <laughs> in the first place, yeah. Why yeah. Is such a tramp, you know. And and it just didn't like. It seemed like all these other characters were so nuanced. And then there's Curly's wife. Well, it it kind of seemed like. I mean, because after I read your review, I kind of was paying more attention to her, and it seemed like he wanted to tell her story, but he kept brushing it off. Because she would make a comment uh-huh. of some, you know, like a comment of like, I don't know how I got here. Um, you know, I shouldn't have married him in the first place because he's no good. You know, those kinds of things. But then it was like, you know, never went into it in any depth. Or, I mean, it's not like I wanted to feel, wanted everyone to feel sorry for her. But, you know, maybe some, some of them could have listened to, to more to what she was saying. And I don't think, you know, they were listening to her either. Yeah. So no, I definitely felt like she was like, what was she supposed to do? Just like you know, yeah. stay out of everybody's way and like not talk to anybody and just like die of loneliness because yeah. Curly was you know no yeah. real prize exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I I felt really sorry for her, um, stuck out there, you know, with all you know in a man's world basically, and you know, I I felt like she she wasn't all that. Well, all that smart. I mean, she wasn't. No, she didn't seem to be the kind of person who could do well on her own. You know, mm-hmm. she had to have people around her, and she didn't have anybody. And so she, you know, totally went after you know anyone and everyone as far as men were concerned because she was so lonely. And I felt sorry for her. Um, she definitely yeah. did not deserve what happened to her. And I think. I think he did make that point that obviously, you know, this was a bad thing that happened to her and, and definitely it was not deserved. Um, you know, nobody deserves what happened to her. And, and, uh, so, I mean, you know, he did, he did make that point and that, you know, people were definitely sorry that it had happened. And, and even it it was interesting that even, you know, Lenny sort of kind of understood what happened. And, and I thought that's where, um, you know, John Steinbeck's handling of the situation, you know, with Lenny was so, it was very compassionate. And what George was forced to do to resolve the situation, um, it was just very sweet and sad. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of want to know. Definitely. And I guess with most, most like most Steinbeck books, you kind of want to know what happened to the people afterwards, you know? Like, mm-hmm. did George end up going back to the farm and working out his term did he ever you know get his place in the country like he wanted 
kind of like I mean I felt I this I hope so too and I felt the same way about the Jodes and the Grapes of Wrath you know when it ends on uh-huh. that just terrible terrible note that was I found completely horrifying um, but at, at the same time I still wanted to know what happened to the characters you know they if they made it you know because they were in such it was such despair when that book ended yeah and I kind of felt like the despair of Mice and Men was a little quieter. Like, you know, it's like, well, George is probably just going to be one of those guys. This is kind of the impression that I got. Yeah. Like, you know, he'll just, like, squander his, his paycheck in, on cat houses now that he's in the mini anymore. And, you know, it's just like, you know, it's yeah. like all these, these dreams came so close. And then, you know, it ended up, and I, I like, I hope that he did, that he did, like, I hope that the, that the ending for him was better, but it just, it just seemed like Steinbeck was like, nah, it probably won't be. Yeah, and I think he, he's that <laughs> way in a lot of his bad. books, but at the same, at the same time, it's kind of interesting with John Steinbeck, because all the books that I've read of his, I've read, well, I've read three, okay, so I haven't read, like, a whole ton, but in two out of the three, I cared about the character so much, and I felt like, he actually really cared about the characters too when he, you know, wrote about yeah. them. And that's something that, you know, with a lot of authors you just don't see. And I think the fact that he leaves these so ambiguous is a reflection of the fact that he cares about the characters so much and wants you to care about them. And I just think mm-hmm. that's I think that's just wonderful. And the other book I read, which was The Pearl, which I find just totally horrible. Um, but that's just me. Um, it was like, you want melodrama? <laughs> I mean, you know, come now. Um, it was it was based on a folk tale, so of course it's going to have that, that folk element of, you know, a lot of folk elements of melodrama in there. But anyway, um, that aside, uh, of Mice and Men and the, of Grapes of Wrath, both had me just, you know, like rooting for all for the characters, most of the characters. Um the ones and, you were supposed to root for. Yeah, the ones you were supposed to root for. And so I thought that was I thought that was great, the way he handles that. Um, any other comments you have um, about that one? I don't really think so. It's it was a it was a good book. I'm glad we read it again. I feel like I might be okay with not reading any more Steinbeck for a while. <laughs> but <laughs> but I'm glad we did. Yeah, and I think a little bit of Steinbeck goes a long way, at least for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we, so, let's talk about our, month, our next book. Um, I, I thought that it would be interesting. We hadn't done a sci-fi book yet, um, this year and I had two choices and I, and we ended up going with a book called The Sparrow by Mary Doria Russell. Um, mostly because I thought it would be like, you know, be good to do like some, some sci-fi authored by a woman. Um, it, it is also apparently a very depressing book. I have not read it. <laughs> um, but the, the premise is that this priest is the last survivor of this mission that goes out to, to like find some kind of alien. I don't, I think they're like exploring the galaxy or going to maybe co- colonize a planet or something like that. Anyway, like he's with a bunch of people and, and, and he's the last, and like, you know, from the beginning that he's the last one that survived. And so it's all about like you know what happens, what happened to him, and and um, it's kind of long. It's it's like seventeen hours, um, which I if, if if I could have like I, I was trying to think. Oh, you know, I'd like to do a sci-fi book, and I'd like to find one by a woman. And the ones I came up with were respectively seventeen and twenty hour <laughs> books, and I was like, man, we just can't win. Yeah, well, so it is a bit of a it's 
keep it long, but <laughs> I but I've heard really good things about it, and it got like lots of critical acclaim, and I think it'll be interesting to see what it's like. Yeah, that'll be good. Um, I a couple one of my favorite sci-fi authors in particular is a woman, but I think women are generally pretty underrepresented in this genre, and uh, so it'll be good to read a sci-fi yeah. book by a woman. Um, and this is a, an author I have not read before. Um, so that will be that will be very interesting. I'm I'm looking forward to reading it. Um, and the author I'm thinking of is Anne McCaffrey, who I just love her books. Um, not all of them, but yeah, most of them are yeah. just fantastic. Um, the hard thing about Anne McCaffrey, it's not about her too, but but a lot of her books are like part of series. Yeah, and that's difficult because you know you, it, it's hard to read some of her books if standing alone. Uh, and that is a drawback if you're not really into the whole series thing. And that's something that, you know, another one of my favorite sci-fi authors, Andre Norton, has that problem too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're not really interested in, in reading, um, you know, if, books in the, the Witch World series, and you kind of have to go in order. Um, <laughs> you know, if you don't start with number one, you get to number six and you're completely confused. Um, so that is kind of a drawback. Yeah, but yeah, wait right. a minute, what's going on again? Who are these people again? So um, yeah, but um, but I, I, I like those authors um, also. And another wonderful uh, woman who writes wonderful books, uh, sci-fi books, is um, Octavia Butler. Uh, I just love her books. Oh my goodness. Um, the The parable of the the Earthseed series, there, there are two of them, and they're just wonderful. Um, Parable of the Sower and Parable of the Talents. And uh, they, um, they're about this, like, sort of post-apocalyptic kind of world and the way in which this girl copes with it and basically starts her own religion based on what is going on around her in the world at that time and how, she, how her beliefs help her. Um, survive. Um, and they're just really wonderful. I think I've read both of them several times. But um, in any event, I don't know why I just sort of rambled down that path. But anyway, um, wonderful <laughs> sci-fi women authors. I think that's where we were going with that one. Yes. So, um, yeah, this should be and really good. And I, and I do what? I said, and now we get to try a new one to both of us. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, it, it, this book is depressing, but I hope it has a happy ending because this last book didn't. I hope this one at least has a happy ending. Oh, well, if it doesn't, I mean, I guess maybe we can term the uh, stay away from the aliens as a happy ending, but I guess we'll just have to see. (laughs) Survived. (laughs) Yeah, he survived. He's the only one, but he he did. Um, So that will be, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, And we will be back in a while to talk about the Sparrow. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Any last things to discuss before we hang, throw in the towel? Um, I think we're good. Well, if you, um, if you would like to, oh, no, go ahead. <laughs> I'm doing this episode. I know. If you would like to contact us, um, you can go, you can email us at, um, bhapodcast at gmail.com. Is that right? Did I just, yeah, totally mess y- no, you got it right. I'm uh-huh. the one who always gets it wrong. <laughs> I, I, yeah, you yeah, got it right. Because right. we're book hoarders on Twitter. Yeah, and, and I always say, H-A-P-M. yeah, I always say book hoarders at gmail.com. And that's not right. Yeah, so bhapodcast at gmail.com, uh, book hoarders on Twitter, and of course the pod, the uh, website is bhapodcast.com. Um, and I am Aaron Edgar on Twitter if you want to follow me there. And I am Bardsong on Twitter. 
B-A-R-D-S-O-N-G. Um, and with that, I think we can safely say... Bye! Bye! To contact the book hoarders, send email to bhapodcast at gmail.com. Follow Book Hoarders on Twitter. Call us at 520-81-BOOKS, 520-812-6657. And visit the website at bhapodcast.com.